Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. How you guys doing? Come on, give yourselves a hand clap. And then let's give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Praise the Lord. All right. We want to welcome you guys. This is our um, part one of our first series of February. Um, actually going to go into March um, teaching on this. And uh, we're going to be teaching on God is. God is and uh, we're going to we've been actually dealing with this in the last two Bible studies on Wednesday night. Um, we dealt with uh, God is big. Um, he's transcendent. Uh, then on Wednesday night, this Wednesday that just passed, we dealt with God is merciful. And on today, we're going to deal with God is a spirit. All right. And those of you, when you hear that, you probably think of first John, uh, the fourth chapter for God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him. How? And in spirit and in truth. So let's go there. Let's go to first John, uh, the fourth chapter. I want to thank God. Amen. For our visitors today. Uh, I know them through the potters out in Willenboro. Uh, so good to see you guys. Thank you for worshiping with us. I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves. Uh, so we're going to walk through this scripture on today. You guys ready? We're going to start at first John. I'm sorry. Did I say first John? St. John. I'm sorry. St. John, uh, the fourth chapter, starting at the third verse, uh, Looks like this is the new King James here. All right. But that's fine. <clears throat> is everyone there? Amen. All right. St. <laughs> John, fourth chapter, starting at the third verse. And it says here. Oh, there we go. He left Judea and went to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. I want to stop there real quickly. Uh, Where is Jesus leaving from? Judea. And he has to go where? To Galilee. But in order to go to get to get to Galilee, he has to travel through Samaria. He has to go through Samaria. If you're familiar with the Samaritans, the Samaritans are what they would call half breeds. These are the people uh, that mixed Judaism and had mixed the law of God with all different type of pagan rituals. Uh, this stems back to about Second uh, Kings, the 24th chapter. Uh, the children of Israel had been removed from their land into the land of captivity, into the land of the Babylonians. And what happened was the Babylonians sent their people to live in Israel. And what they did was they brought the priest of Israel into back to Israel to teach the people the ways of God. See, what had happened was when the people were moved out into captivity and they brought the Assyrians and the Babylonians into their land, uh, there were lions that started eating the people up because they didn't belong there. So what God had to do was God had to, or what what the, the king at the time had to do was he had to go get a priest from Israel Bring him back to teach the people the ways of Israel so that God would be pleased with the land. So they now come in and they learn the first five books of the Bible. But as time goes along, they start mixing their gods with the scriptures. And they're now that they're mixing their gods in between the scriptures. The pure sacred text has now become perverted. So what God now does is now or what Israel now does is they look at these people a certain type of way. They're frustrated. They're angry. They're upset because not only have these people taken our land, but they've corrupted our our message. So the Samaritans were looked at by the Israelites as dirty, outcast 
and not real Jews. So what would happen is uh, we can go to the map. What would happen is when the people would have to go from Judea all the way up to Galilee, there was the land of Samaria in between. Y'all with me now in order to go through here, you had to go through Samaria. They don't want to deal with the Samaritans because the Samaritans are half breeds. So Jesus is where Judea and he's trying to get where to Galilee. But in order to get from Judea to Galilee, he has to go through Samaria. Most people now watch this. Jesus is here. The lady at the well is at Sychar. Jesus has to get here, but he has to pass this dirty, perverted land to get to his destination. Now, if you're familiar with the Jews, what they would do in order to avoid walking through Samaria is they would go across the Jordan River, go up and pass Samaria to get into Galilee. They would actually avoid confrontation with the Samaritans by going, catching a boat across to another land, traveling up and catching a boat over so they don't have to deal with these people. Y'all talking about discrimination. (laughs) You're talking about prejudice. That I'd rather catch a boat and go to the other side than deal. That's like living in Philly. And you got family in Scranton, but you don't want to go through King of Prussia. So you catch the boat, the, 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 the bridge over to Ben Franklin. You drive up to North Jersey. You go into New York. You go into Pennsylvania so you can avoid dealing with those folks in between Scranton and Philly. It's a lot of traveling. But Jesus doesn't do this. Because Jesus does not discriminate on who can be saved. And I'm so glad that Jesus ain't like us. So what Jesus does is he travels through a place that most folks wouldn't deal with. It shows us that God's grace reaches areas where other people would never reach. And if we told the truth, if folks knew who we really were, they wouldn't reach for us. But I'm so glad that we don't serve people. We serve God. And God was able to reach into areas that other people wouldn't reach in. They looked at our past. They look at our issues. They look at our problems and they say, I can't deal with that. They look at what you've been through. They look at all of the things that you've done and they say, I don't want to deal with that. But I'm so glad that God didn't catch a boat to the other side, but he reached into where I was to deal with my issues and let me know that there was still hope for me. So now he gets to Sychar. Let's go back to the text. He now gets to Sychar and I want to work with this. He left Judea, went to Galilee. He had traveled through Samaria. So he came to a a town in Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus worn out. Look at your neighbor say worn out, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. Shows us something. It shows us that Jesus gets weary. He's full man. He's full God. But he's able to relate to us. Judea to Samaritan was 20 miles. It's a day's journey. And they didn't have comfortable sneakers. (laughs) They didn't have Air Maxes. They didn't have Jordans. They didn't have New Balance. They didn't have Reeboks. They had Air Sandals. (laughs) So Jesus has walked, he's walked for 20 miles. You have to understand this isn't a plane either. We're walking through gravel. 
dirt, all different types of animals. His feet are worn out. His body is worn out and he sits and he takes a rest and he's weary. And now we see what Paul is talking about in Hebrews when he says that he felt our infirmities. He was touched with our infirmities because he knows what it feels like to be weary. That's why when we pray, our prayer does not go without void. He understands because he put himself in the flesh like us so he can relate to our pain. He can relate to our hurts. He can relate to our weariness. And he's now weary. He's worn out from his journey and he sits down at the well and it was about six in the evening. Mm. Now, you look at another translation, it says it was noon. It says noon. Anybody else translation says noon? Noon? King James folks? <laughs> noon. So, y'all with me? <sighs> he sits here at noon and everything that God does is strategic. God has purpose for everything. He's sitting here because he knows that there's a woman that's on her way. He meets her before she gets there. Because God knows your need before you even know your need. (laughs) Y'all missed it. So what he does is he says, I know they're going to need it. So I'm going to meet them there before they realize that they have the need. So this woman now is sitting here or this woman now is on her way to the well. And Jesus is already there. Oh, man, we're going to to church in a second. Jesus is already there. And this woman is at is on her way to the well. And John makes it uh, particularly. He makes it specific on why he gives us the time. Why does it matter the time that Jesus is there? John is strategic in his writing to let us know why he put the time in this text. Why? Because this woman was trying to go to the well alone. If you're familiar with the scriptures, in most cases, for safety reasons, women never traveled alone to the well. But this woman was traveling to the well alone. Why was she traveling to the well alone? She was traveling to the well alone and she was traveling by herself because she was an outcast to her people. She had been married five times and she was inside of a current adulterous relationship. So she was the talk of the town. So in order to prevent confrontation with the rest of the people, she tried to go to the well when nobody else was there so she could avoid any type of conflict. She was an outcast of outcasts. Not only was she a Samaritan, but she was an adulteress. So not only am I looked down as dirty amongst the Israelites, but I'm looked down as dirty amongst the Samaritans. I am the lowest of the lowest, but yet Jesus meets her where she is. Mm. You better thank God that God meets you where you are. You have been a mess. You have been distraught. Folks have turned their backs. Folks have closed the door, but God says, you know what? I know what they would do, but I ain't like them. I have a purpose and I'm going to meet you there when you get here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. So she calls herself hiding in the cut because most people don't go to the well at noon. Why? 
The sun is in the middle of the sky. It's scorching hot. And you got to carry pounds and pounds of water back to wherever you went. You want to know what's even crazier? Is that she passed about three or four wells before she got to this one. So not only did she travel alone, not only she tried to get out of the way, but she tried to travel as far as she could so that people couldn't bother her or people wouldn't bother her because of her condition. And Jesus knew this. So he met her right where she was. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't take a shortcut. I'm so glad. That Jesus didn't say, well, he's black and he's white and he's this and she's that and they did this and they did that. But he says, I've come for all people. I come for you, whatever your past is. I come from you, whatever your dirt is. I come for you for whatever you've been through. I come for you, whatever has happened to you. I have a purpose and I have a plan. And you know what? I know the rest of the folks is going to skip the river and go around you, but I still see something good inside of you. And I'm going to get you to fulfill my purpose because even though they don't see it, I see it. Look at your neighbor and say, God sees your purpose. A woman came to Samaria, came to draw water. He says, give me a drink. Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to what? Buy food. Hold on. It was forbidden to even eat of the utensils of Samaritans. So not only is Jesus asking her for water, but he's he's assigned his disciples to go into the land that they ain't even supposed to be in and get food from them, which means God is breaking all order. You got to watch this. This was forbidden, but it was not biblical. Mm. Some things are forbidden through our religious practices, but it don't mean it's biblical. <laughs> because God has always left the door for salvation for anybody that wanted to be saved, even in the Old Testament. What are you talking about? Ruth wasn't a Jew. Bathsheba was married to a Hittite. She wasn't a Jew. Uh-oh. Joseph married an Egyptian. She wasn't a Jew. Moses married Zipporah. She wasn't a Jew. Abraham had 318 servants from Gentile countries in Genesis. And God said, circumcise them all to make covenant with me. And that day they became a Jew. Numbers 11th chapter and the mixed multitude traveled with Israel. They weren't Jews, which means that God has always opened the door for even unbelievers to take him on. So which means that it never was biblical for these people to go around Samaritan. If they were doing the work of God, they would have went through Samaritan and taught them the gospel. Uh, So now we see here. He says, give me a drink. Jesus said to her, his disciples, his disciples went and bought food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him. And then John added this, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. He makes it clear. And she's asking him how and why 
would you ask me for something to drink? How does she know Jesus was a Jew? If he was a rabbi, most likely he had tassels in his garment. So she saw by his appearance that he wasn't like her. But yet Jesus still wants to identify and associate with her. You want to know what's even crazier? In those times, you weren't even supposed to be caught alone talking to a woman. But Jesus spends the time to sit at a well and identify and sit with somebody that he wasn't even supposed to identify with. In these days and time, you ain't supposed to be walking around, sitting around with gays. Because that's how it's supposed to look. But that's not the gospel. In this day and time, you're not supposed to deal with certain people of social economic uh, issues because they're poor and we're rich. But that's not what the gospel teaches. In this day and time, we're not supposed to talk to this person and talk to that person because that's the way it looks. But that's not according to the gospel. If we're going to be biblical, we got to sit at the well with people that we may not understand, that may not look like us. But we understand that our purpose is to preach the gospel to them. So he sits at the well with the person that he's not supposed to deal with. He answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. I'm not talking about this natural stuff. What he was referring to was the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 55 and one, come to me, those that are thirsty, and I will give you drink. He speaks of the living water. He's talking of living water, but she can't identify with it because no one has ever shared with her the gospel. So she doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about natural water. He's talking about something spiritual. And what he is saying is you're going to run out of chasing things that are going to work for your sensuality or for your body or for your flesh. I'm trying to give you something that's going to be eternal. I'm trying to move beyond giving you something that's just going to hold you till next Sunday. I'm trying to fill your soul with something that's going to be everlasting. You don't even have a bucket. <laughs> she still don't get it. And the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? Y'all notice she put in quotation marks. Living water. She's being sarcastic. You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? Uh-oh. He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and Livestock. What she is saying is that Jacob has built something in the earth that has lasted generations. She's looking at the institution. Huh, I'm going to go a step further. You can't be better than this. Because my church has been around 300 years. You can't be better than this because I've been taught this my whole entire life. Uh-oh. You can't be better than this because I know religion down and out. Oh, y'all quiet. You can't be better than this because this is all I know. This is what my mama taught me. This is what my daddy taught me. My mama said this. My daddy said this. That is your Jacob's well. Your Jacob's well is what has been proven to keep you, but not necessarily sustain you spiritually. Some of us have been kept by religious practices, but we're not sustained by the spirit. 
It's nice that you go to church every Sunday. But is your soul right with God? It's nice that you worship every week. It's nice that you come in these doors and you lift your hands, but is your soul Because at the end of the day, this building will pass away. At the end of the day, the places that we call the church, they will fold. But what God is trying to give us is he's trying to give us that living water that's going to sustain us and keep our souls right. If the the church doors close, y'all quiet. So Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water, and he's actually pointing at himself. He's pointing at the well, I'm sorry. Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Watch this. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, dash, ever. (laughs) He's trying to make it plain. What I'm getting ready to give you, you ain't going to never want, you ain't going to never desire. And I'm not talking about physical things per se, but I'm talking about spiritually. Your soul is going to be full. When I fill you with this Holy Spirit, it's going to comfort you. When I fill you with this Holy Spirit, you're going to have hope. When I fill you with this Holy Spirit, you're going to have faith. When I give you this Holy Spirit, you're going to encourage people. That's what we're looking for. Because all of those material things are good, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then all those things will mean nothing. You find out every Every day that people pass away and all those things don't go with them. But when you have the Holy Spirit, you have eternal hope that you will be with Christ forever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him. For what? Eternal life because water symbolizes life. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You'll never run out. This is the kind of water that doesn't just go down, but this is the water that comes out of you. <laughs> if you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit, you just can't keep it to yourself. Y'all, y'all, y'all quiet in here. Maybe y'all ain't got it. But when you got the Holy Spirit, you just find yourself talking about his goodness to people. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you find yourself witnessing. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you start doing evangelism. You start doing things. You want to help people. You don't just want to come to church and sit here, but you want to put your hands to the work of the kingdom and put your hands to the work of the church. That is a sign that you have the Holy Spirit. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Look at this. Go call your husband. Watch this. I'm going to leave this alone, but I got to say it. Salvation is great. It's everything. It's everything. We need to be saved. But Jesus teaches us one of the greatest tools of evangelism here. You know what he teaches us? He teaches us that, yes, you can be saved, but you have to confront your sins. Mm. Repentance is part of salvation. Amen. Amen. So the first thing he wants or the first thing he draws to her after he teaches her about salvation is that in order to get this water, you're going to have to repent. Yeah. Mm. 
You know what I love about this text, though, is that although he brings her to her sin, although he draws her issue to her, he doesn't keep her there. Mm. There's a lot of folks that can point your sin out. But don't give you a remedy or a solution to your sin. They can get up every Sunday and tell you how you you're out of order and you're wrong and you did this and you did that and show you how short you come. But is there any remedy for it? I'm glad you pointed it out. But now I'm leaving. Still sinful. With no solution. I need a solution. For my transgression. And although it's nice for you to tell me that I'm going to hell, is there hope for heaven? We talked about this over and over again, that the law symbolized an x-ray machine. The purpose of the Old Testament was to show you your sins, show you how holy God was and point to you your flaws. So as many of us read the Old Testament, we all get convicted. (laughs) You start finding all types of stuff. Oh, Lord, I'm wearing wool. (laughs) I eat some crab legs (laughs) this year. Lord. (laughs) All of us. Because all it is not designed to kill you. It's designed to show you how short you are from God. So what it does is it shows me my sinful fractures. It shows me my sinful brokenness, but it never gives me a solution. So I'm walking around with a cast every Sunday. My spiritual arm is broke. My spiritual legs are broke. Because someone has shown me my sin, but they've never given me a solution. But I'm here to give you the solution. And that's what Jesus came here was not just to show her her sin, but he was here to show her that there's a solution for your issue. I know you've had five husbands. I know you're in adultery. I know you got issues. I know you're an outcast. But I'm here to tell you there's still hope through all of it. Oh, God help me here, here. I know you don't have five husbands and I know everybody's talking about you, but can I tell you there's still hope? Yeah. What's the hope? The hope is my blood. All right. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood Amen. of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Oh, I'm testing y'all on y'all hymns today. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I'm here to tell somebody that is spiritually broken. There is a blood transfusion that God will give you that will change your life for the better, that will fix every fracture, that will fix every brokenness, that will fix everything of your past, that will mend all those things that have been spread apart and will put it back together. And that solution is called the blood of Jesus. Man, that's why I can holler and hoop and close out right there. Because for years and for years and for years and for centuries and for books of the Bible, there have never been a solution. 
Abraham was a liar, so he couldn't use him. Isaac lied too. Jacob was a trickster. Joseph got caught up in the Egyptian lifestyle. Moses was a murderer. Y'all quiet here. Joshua never finished the course. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. The Bible says that when Joshua died, God said, I still had some more land for you to conquer. David was an adulterer. Solomon had women problems. Isaiah was a little weird. Jeremiah walked around naked. Ezekiel seen all these things, these wheels in the middle of the wheels. Couldn't even compare, couldn't even talk to the man. He was so spiritually that he was no earthly good. Went throughout all the Bible and there was nobody that could do it. God looked at the seraphims and the cherubims, but he remembered Michael or he remembered Lucifer and he recognized how he got caught up in his head. So he said, I can't use none of them. Who can I use? And he says, you know what? I got a woman that's broken by the well. And you know what? I got to meet her around noon because every day around noon, she comes to this well. And in order for me to complete my purpose, I'm going to have to do this thing myself. So God with her on his mind in eternity, before the foundations of the world, before the foundations of the world, you were on his mind. Before you thought about your sin, you was on his mind. Before your mama and daddy got together, you was on his mind. And because you was on his mind, what did God do? God says, I'm going to put myself in some flesh. I'm going to walk amongst them. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to preach the gospel, but I'm going to give you a great finale. I'm going to die on the cross and I'm going to shed my blood and my blood shall be for the remission of the sins. But you know what? That ain't it. In three days, I'm going to get up. And when I get up, I'm going to get up with all power in my hand. And when Buddha dies, and when the Hindu God dies, and when the Muslims die, and when Muhammad dies, and when Allah dies, guess what? I'm still going to live. And that's why we can say that he's not dead, but he's alive because Christ has lived, has risen, not just for a part time situation but for eternity this was all part of God's plan and can I tell somebody on the day you are part of God's plan God knew you needed to be saved God knew you needed to be delivered he knew your life was going to be a mess but he said you know what I'm gonna meet you where you are go get your husband go get your sickness go get your mess go get your sin and I'm gonna deliver I'm gonna save I'm gonna set free I'm gonna heal I'm gonna touch because only I can do it and I'm God alone I don't have a husband she answered I gotta close I don't have a husband she said I don't have a husband she ain't lying but she ain't telling the truth and that's what we try to do when we in sin we try to tell half truths Adam where art thou I hid myself because I was naked. You ain't lying. But who told you you was naked? (laughs) This is what we do in sin. When we're in sin, we try to cover our sins. So she's trying to cover her sins because she's embarrassed. But you know what? God don't care. He already knew you're naked. He knows your issues. He says, I need you to confess with your mouth your issue. I don't have a husband. He says, you said it correctly. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And the man you know now have is not your husband. So you want the sixth man, really. Can I? I don't want to go there. This is a whole whole nother text that I can teach here. Um, but I'm gonna just stick with the text. 
because five husbands there can symbolize something else. If you go to Second Kings 24th chapter, I believe, when the children of Israel were removed from Israel and they brought the priest back in, uh, the Bible says that the priest taught them the law, but then they brought their five gods in to worship and mixed with the Judaism. So the Samaritans worshiped five gods. And we are supposed to be married to Christ. Ain't supposed to be no other gods before him. And I don't want to go there. But when she says I have you, when he says you have had five husbands, he could be speaking physically of five husbands and we'll work with that. But he also could be speaking that she was in relationship with five other gods. Some of us have five other gods. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. (laughs) Go get your five husbands. (laughs) Some of y'all looking at your husband right now while I'm teaching. (laughs) So he says... You have had five husbands and a man now that you have married is not your husband. She says, what you have said is true, sir. Watch this. The woman said, I see you are a prophet. She perceives that there's something different about him because he knows about her past. And she knows there's no way in the world he know her past being that he's from Judea. How in the world does he even know my past? So you must be a prophet. Now watch this. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Yet you Jews say the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Now look, she shifts the confirmation, the conversation. She goes from you ain't got no pale to you must be a prophet to yeah, I have five of to well, right now, where do I worship? Mm. The conversion is happening right through this conversation. She went from a woman that was stiff and hard and hard and her heart was hardened, ready to confront anybody that would come up against her because she had so many issues in her past to now saying, well, now where do I worship? The Samaritans worship in Mount Gezerim. The, the Jews worship in Jerusalem. So what she's really asking is, what church do I go to? She's looking for a church home. Y'all quiet. Now, can I help y'all? She says, yet you Jews say the place to worship in is Jerusalem. Jesus ain't never say that. The Jews said that. They made that up. God ain't never said you had to worship him only in Jerusalem. They made that a man-made religious Situation. And I'm not great with a bunch of vocabulary words. So she thinks the only way that I can be saved is if I go to church and do church like you guys do. But that's not what God had ever mandated. Y'all with me? Amen. Believe me, woman, an hour is coming. When you will worship the father, watch this, neither on this mountain nor in 
Jerusalem. Your worship is going to transcend the four walls of the church. I'm taking your worship beyond a once a year atonement offering because I am the atonement offering. I'm taking your worship beyond priesthood because I am the high priest. I'm taking your worship beyond goats and sheep because I was the sacrifice. So there be no need to go to Jerusalem because I have fulfilled everything that needed to be fulfilled. I am your high priest. I am your sacrifice. I am your atonement. I am your Christ. I am your redeemer. And the hour is coming where I'm going to fulfill all scripture and you'll be able to sit in the car and worship me. You'll be able to sit at work and worship me. You'll be able to go to your, your, your family's house and worship me. You'll be able to go to your friend's church and worship me. You'll be able to go wherever you want and worship me. And that time is coming because I'm breaking the barriers off of what we call church into a place where people will worship me in spirit and in truth. Got to close here, y'all. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Because salvation is from the Jews. I don't want to get into all that. I don't want to get into all that. Because we all are the seeds of Abraham. Hmm. (laughs) We all are the seeds of Abraham. God said, Genesis 12, I will bless thee that bless thee, curse thee that curse thee. I will make your name great and all nations of the earth shall be what? Blessed through you. And as the stars in the sky, so shall your seed be upon the face of the earth. And as the grains of sand, so shall they be upon the face of the earth. He breaks it down. But when we do our little studies on Jewish people in America, they're a minority. So how can that be, God? Because we can number them. You said we can never number them. I'm glad you asked. There's a difference between. (sighs) I got to leave this alone. There's Israel. And there's Judaism. There's the seed of Jacob. But then there's the Jewish folks. Can I help y'all? It's Black History Month. <laughs> I wear my dashiki next week. <laughs> Y'all with me? So Jacob receives the birthright. And he has children all over the place and they're known as the Israelites. But God called Abraham a Jew. Abraham had other children. Genesis 26, and after Sarah had died, Abraham married Keturah, and they had six children. One's name was Midian. Jethro, who was Zipporah's father, was a Midianite and a high priest. He was the same man that gave Moses instruction. He also knew how to sacrifice. He also was from the bloodline of Abraham, which would make him a Jew, not an Israelite. Abraham had a grandson named Sheba. Solomon becomes the wealthiest man 
And a woman from Ethiopia, black woman, queen of Sheba, comes and offers Solomon gifts. She understood worship. The Magi's come from the east to bring frankincense, incense, and myrrh to Jesus. After Abraham had died, he had given his son Isaac everything that he had. And the Bible says, and he sent gifts to his other sons and sent them where? To the east. (laughs) Abraham sent his sons to the east. He blessed Isaac, but he had other sons who he sent to the east. God promised the Messiah through Isaac. And when God's gay word became fulfilled and when Mary conceived and gave birth to Christ, the Bible says, and there were Magi's who came from the east to offer gifts to Jesus. Abraham gave them gifts and sent them east, but then they bought the gifts and brought them back yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm leaving that alone. Yeah. Amen. Bless the name of the Lord. So the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Worship is required to have spirit. And truth, watch this, not religion and truth, not agenda and truth, not I do this because mama said it and truth, spirit and truth, spirit. He is a spirit, which means that it has to go beyond my Extremities. I enjoy singing. But if the choir don't show up, can I get a prayer through? If the preacher don't preach, can I get a prayer through? And truth meaning that it has to be biblical. If it ain't in the Bible, it ain't worship. Oh, help me, Jesus. If it ain't in a word, it ain't truth. And it ain't worship. All right, I'm going to leave that alone. Oh, but this is the way we do it. How does God want it done? Exodus, y'all don't got to go there. Exodus, the 30th chapter, 31st verse, I believe, through 34. God gives the children of Israel instructions on how to make the incense. He says, I want a certain sweet smelling savior. Chop this ingredient up, hammer this ingredient down, grain it down, mix it, put it together, put it on my altar. Don't keep none of it for yourself. If you keep any of it for yourself, you'll be cut off from Israel. Why? Because I want something that is only for me. If your worship got anything to do with you, God don't want it. I want sweet smelling worship that only comes to me. I don't want it on you. 
Uh-oh. That's good. That's good. Y'all quiet. That's good. Oh, girl, you son. All the glory belongs to God. Man, you preach the house there. All the glory. Don't you give me none of that perfume. All that incense that I gave today belonged to God. Don't give me no glory. I appreciate the compliment, but at the end of the day, everything that came out of my mouth was to glorify the Lord because none of this is about me. It's all about him. I got to sit down, y'all. One more thing. There was a woman at the well. There was a woman. uh, uh, No, no, no. St. John, um, 12th chapter, I believe. uh, uh, Jesus is in Bethany and he's sitting there. And as he's sitting there in his reclining chair with Lazarus, because he just had raised Lazarus from the dead, the Bible says that Martha's serving. But the Bible says, but Mary sat at his feet and she took some perfume that was worth innumerable amounts in numbers. It was a year's worth of salary. And she began to wipe his feet with that perfume. She set it aside for only him. But then she goes a step further. She takes her hair. And she wipes his feet with her hair because the hair symbolizes a woman's glory, which means that I'm giving God all of my glory because my worship is all about him. I got to sit down, y'all. When we worship him and worship him in spirit and in truth, it ain't about us. The singing might not be right. We might be a little off key, but you know what? All the glory belongs to God. And God will rather have an off key singing person with the heart after him than somebody that has all of the tones and all of the metrics and all of the sonic sounds, but they don't reach him. God wants spirit and God wants truth. God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm done here. Next verse and I'm closing. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. He says, I am he, the one speaking to you. Next verse. And that's it. And she leaves and says, come see a man. And the Bible says Jesus was on his way to Galilee. But he stops there for two days and teaches them the gospel. And then they go to the woman and say, now we know for ourselves that he is the Messiah. See, you can tell people about Jesus, but until they know him for themselves. (laughs) And can I help you? You can't tell me about nothing that you don't know. So I need you to know you. I need you to tell me your own personal experience with Jesus so that I know that you know Jesus for yourself. Praise God. I'm closing here. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. I'm going to give you three points. We have a word of prayer and I'm going to give you our reflection scriptures of the week. Number one, superficial knowledge leads to superficial worship. Uh, Y'all like, oh, what you mean by that? Your worship can only be as deep as your theology. Well, how do we know John 3.16? You need to know some more. I love Bible study on Wednesday nights. (laughs) Because as we dig deep, uh, it happened on Wednesday night. Evangelist uh, Davis had to put her microphone on mute. And then she actually went off mute. We just heard her screaming all on the line. But the theology 
of what we were teaching became so deep. Her worship, it hit her soul. It hit her soul in another way. If, 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 if you think you worship and imagine how deeper it will be when you really get into the scriptures and really get into the word and really understand redemption and really understand his plan. It takes your worship to a whole nother level. If all you can do is buck and shout and dance and all that, that's cool. But that ain't everything. But when you begin to come into the knowledge of God, your worship becomes deeper. Number two, all the glory belongs to God. In order to worship him in spirit, And in truth, you got to set all flesh aside and it all has to belong to him. When we get caught up in ourselves, it's no longer worship. And I'm I'm all about planning. Y'all know how we are. We'll alight today, but we know how we are. We do meetings. We do planning. We do all that. But at the end of the day, if God is moving, we got to let the plans move over to the side a little bit. I understand God is a God of order, but sometimes his order is worship. <laughs> Number three, true worship is only worship that reaches God. True worship, true worship. And how? what is true worship? In spirit and in truth. So true worship is the only worship that's going to reach God. Praise God. I, think, I don't think I have to explain that one. All right, I'm going to give you... Um, I'm, I'm going to do something different this week. I'm, I'm going to give you guys some reflection scripture. Some of them I, uh, I mentioned in the sermon. Um, others I didn't, but they're all going to be in line with this sermon. And this is just some scriptures for you to reflect on, to keep your mind on the sermon on the Sundays. So this is something I'm, I'm implementing, okay? All right, these are our five scriptures this week. <clears throat> on Monday, it's going to be Psalms 30, Psalm 36 and 9. Is this going to be on our social media page? All right. It'll be on our social media page if y'all don't want to write this down. On Tuesday, um, it'll be on the website too. Okay. It'll be on the website as well. Tuesday, it'll be Isaiah 12 and 3. Wednesday will be Isaiah 55 and 1. Thursday will be Exodus 30, 34 through 38. And Friday will be St. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I'll give you guys a little time. I see some of y'all writing. That's going to be our five scriptures that we're going to just reflect on on this week um, just to keep us focused on the message. All right. I, I, you know, one of the things I don't like is when by the time you leave the door, somebody said, well, what was your message on Sunday? I don't know. So this to keep, <laughs> but this to keep you in line for the week. Amen. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, for us to come together again, Lord, and just worship. We thank you, Lord, for the message, for the word. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us in this place on today, God. God, we ask, Lord, that you touch each and every single one of us, name by name, one by one, God. You know our needs. God, you know our requests, God. We thank you, Lord. God, we are learning, God, to worship you in spirit and truth, God, to move out of the way, God, and allow you, God, to just consume us with your spirit, God, and just saturate us with your presence, God. Keep us, God. Help us during this week. Give us the strength, God to endure and to maintain. And Lord, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. 
Stay tuned for more next week.